Relating to Self. A podcast that helps you create a better relationship with yourself. Hey, I'm Joachim. Welcome. Do you realize that there is only one relationship that you will always be in? The relationship with yourself. Improving that relationship changes everything. On this podcast, I share my thoughts and I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. In today's episode, I have a conversation with Willow, who wrote a book called Double Down on Your Genius, and for whom relating to self is mostly about listening. Enjoy. Willow, welcome to the Relating to Self podcast. Thank you. So happy to be here. So um, I will let you introduce yourself. Who are Great. you? Yeah. Hi, I'm Willow Sana, and I do emotional and strategic support with visionary entrepreneurs around the world. And that is kind of a fancy way of saying that I'm a transformational business coach. And I really love working with those who are creative and purpose-driven and essentially are being called to some next level, uh, expanding into this next level of their evolutionary life, right? Of what they're creating, of what wants to come forth and live through them. Beautiful. I love that. And I imagine that's going to be an interesting part of the conversation in the sense that I believe in order to have those transformations happen, the relationship to the self of these people you work with needs to change, right? But we can dive into that yeah. later. Because first, I would love to know about your relationship with yourself. And in general, when you hear the words relating to self, what does that mean to you? Well, I loved it when you when you asked me because I didn't I was unaware you had this and I was like, this could not be more meant for me. <laughs> more perfect because I all of my work is the at the center of it is really all about the relationship to the self. And I have a book and a book coming up, as you know, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about and and it's a huge part of this book is just talking about our relationship with ourself. And what I always say is that really, and so I'll speak in in I terms, right, for myself, which is I believe that our relationship to ourself is also our relationship to source or spirit or the universe, whatever you want to call that, right? It's it's literally this energy, this magic, this unexplainable, incredible energy, yeah, that's running through us all the time. So relationship, and, and for me, that is very much uh, my relationship with myself is about how much can I be listening to myself and trusting myself, trusting and and with that connectedness, that interconnectedness that is actually this oneness that we are with everything, right? And when we're in relationship with that, then we are truly listening. Beautiful. So many things to jump into there. Let's start with the listening because you said my relationship to myself kind of also depends on how much I listen to myself, right? Or listen mm -hmm. in general. And I would love to know what your practices 
of listening to yourself or to this inner kind of source that you feel? Yeah. Well, I always love to start, this is like the, the shadow worker in me, is I love to start in acknowledging first the ways that we don't listen to ourselves. And I think one of the senses that we can hone is really noticing and feeling into when we are resisting listening when we have something that I always like to say, whether it's your, you know, maybe a calling that's coming through you or something that's, it's knocking on your door. And I'll always say, right, it's not, it's knocking on your door. It's not knocking on mine or theirs. It's knocking on your door for a reason. And this is the same with any time we get a nudge or, or a hit, uh, something that wants our attention. But man, we are masters of being like, I don't want to listen. I don't want to, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to face it. It can be really scary or daunting or overwhelming. And so that's always the first step is like, what, where are you not listening or where are you conveniently ignoring? Right. And when you can hone that, that's when you can actually start intentionally and consciously, you know, what in, in my work is called turning towards, right? Where you're, you're actually full body turning towards and saying, all right, I'm willing to face this, face my fears, face whatever's coming up and, and show me, tell me, what can I not see? What, what are you here to tell me? And then I even have a framework I think you'll appreciate, which is, I call feather pillow truck. And it's like when we're getting these nudges, it first starts as a little feather, a little tickle. And then if we're, we don't listen to that, we might get like a pillow upside the head, right? And then if we don't listen to that, we get hit by the proverbial truck in some way. And it just is like, you have no choice. You are down for the count. You can't even do anything else if you wanted to because you are, you are like, you have to. You have to face it. So... I, I feel like I've been hit by many trucks <laughs> and, uh, and I just, I really believe in the power of listening, right. And honing that listening muscle because the result of which means you get to actually operate in this beautiful trusting flow of life that is truly nothing short of magical. It's absolutely awe inspiring. And you're connected to this kismet and wonder and aliveness that is here and available to us in every moment. Amazing. Yeah, I love it so much that you started with naming shadow work and, you know, looking at what we resist, because that's such an important part of the work that I often am a bit frustrated about when I see people speaking about, you know, spiritual development. Um, there's this tendency to look at the shiny stuff, the bright stuff, the light and all that. But it's so important to acknowledge that shadow. And so I would also love to know from, from your side, what is it that you are resisting right now in your life? Mm, I love that juicy question. So good. Well, today I actually, this morning we did a, I'm a part of this small women's circle here where I'm living at the moment. And we had a full moon goddess gathering and one of the women led us through yin yoga. So I had a lot of time in these poses to really meet with that resistance. And 
it was really, it's, you know, anytime you do yoga, it's such a conversation with your body and with yourself. And so it was fascinating to just be with that conversation with my body. I've sort of set down exercise in the way that I was doing it. Um, I had a personal trainer and I was working out four days a week and I was really on it. And in this last year, I sat down a lot, which we can get into, but I really just gave myself a break to just, you know, set everything down. And so there is what I call like this invitation, this invitation to get back into relationship with something that you either have consciously or unconsciously set down. You may have needed to stop, and I think that's a really important piece of this to acknowledge, which is that sometimes we really do need to set things down and, and take care of ourselves in other ways, right? Um, and so, but then the, the, the really important part is that when that invitation stirs within you to not have it be black or white, to not have it be this, you know, this is forever thing, because actually you can step back into something that you used to do or have done in the past and it gets to have a whole new life. You get to have a whole new experience with it, but you won't even be able to have that if you're not even willing to open that door again. So today that was really the, it was kind of like this knocking today that I was like, Hmm, you know, what, what, what is this next chapter looking like with me in my body and what wants to happen and, and how do, how, how will that look? So I, that's a lot of my first piece of listening and whenever I notice resistance is I just kind of sit with it in this like hmm like this deep wondering and hum of curiosity and just let myself almost I always describe it like it's very visceral right I always describe it as almost like you're uh, dissolving a piece of coarse salt on your tongue like you're rolling it around right and you're just trying to feel into the flavor and notice all the different parts of your senses that yeah might be resisting or might not like it or might feel impatient or all these little pieces but just sitting with it and noticing right yeah i love that that's so powerful i i often use the framework of practicing compassion with myself in those moments as well yeah. as in like you know it's not just noticing but even more it's practicing telling myself it's okay it's like yes 100%. i've resisted this thing I have paused this thing from the past, right? Because I needed to take care of other things in my life. But then now I realize I have to get back to this and it's okay because, you know, I'm human and we all need this. I mean, this is the, these are, you know, these go hand in hand, right? In our relationship with ourself, you know, I could say in one breath that my work is really all about this relationship with self, but ultimately what is that relationship with self? It's self-compassion, self-acceptance, self-love, self-forgiveness, right? And really that allowing, I use this word a lot, right? It's just allowing yourself to be who you are, allowing the feelings to be here, even when they're crunchy and hard and painful and you want to sweep them under a rug or they're ugly. Oh, feelings can be ugly, right? Yeah, and we're just like, oh, don't look at that. Don't look at that. Don't look, you know? But yeah, we and when we can just create us like, oh, you know, I always like to just exaggerate them as well. Like, what is it this, especially if you are finding a resistance to it and or you have a judgment that comes up, like blow it up even bigger or make it ridiculous so that you can just 
help dispel some of the power of it instead of, like I said, right, the shame that just wants to tuck it away or hide it away. Yeah. I'm loving this so much, Willow. I have like literally like shivers all over my body because I resonate so much with what you're saying. Yay. This is <laughs> awesome. Um, what is it I want to share now? Because there's so much stuff here, right? First, I just want to answer to what you just said about this exaggerating the feelings. That is so fucking helpful. I, I attended a workshop last summer in which we practiced. It actually comes from theater. It's kind of like a, a theater practice. And mm. it's basically just sitting with someone and then starting with what you notice about the other person and just repeating it over and over and over again. And then going into the emotions, going into like, wait, but how does this make me feel? And then maybe some negative emotions come up, right? And you're like, oh, yeah. you know... Um, I think you're ugly or like whatever it is, but the other person just keeps repeating what you're saying. And then, so if you're in the receiving end, you just go like, I hear that I'm ugly, you know, I'm here that I'm ugly. And then by repeating this, it kind of completely takes away the power because you start to see perhaps the ways in which you are ugly or fallible or an asshole or whatever it is, because these things are kind of true about every single one of us, right? So yes. I love that. I always, I always have a joke, especially in relationships. I'm like, newsflash, I'm not perfect. <laughs> you know, especially because I have done so much work and in many rooms I am, you know, I'm like I'm this black belt, you know, sort of master around emotions and feelings. And, and any, you know, anytime people are like, wonder why we're like that. I'm like, oh, I can tell you exactly why, <laughs> you know, from all of my psychological and coaching experience. Right. But Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I still have so much. And, and funnily enough, that was also, it's been really on my mind lately because a lot of what you're sharing is almost like um, like authentic relating practices, right? And beautiful like sentence stems that help you dive deeper in conversation and connection. And the... I we just I just was in Ubud, which is like the capital of beautiful, uh, you know, authentic relating like this. And so even just at brunch, we're diving into you know the one of my favorites, which is if you really knew me, you would know. Mm, and beautiful. someone shared there just the most vulnerable and beautiful share that just cracked me wide right wide open, because it was exactly that it was this is not going to paint me in a good light. And he, he basically shared like the ugliest, most shameful thing that he would never want everyone to know at that table. And I mean, it just brought me to tears and it's giving me chills even as I say it. And it was like, even, and just knowing that and knowing his awareness of it and then admitting it in front of all of us, it, it just, it like gives us all permission to be like, yeah, of course, I have really ugly sides of me. You know, we all have these pieces and parts. And so therefore we have to first come into that ownership and acceptance of like, because guess what? It's not all of you, right? It's just this one part and it's okay that you're not perfect, right? We're like you said, infallible and yeah. it's beautiful. It's what makes us human. I so agree. And I guess that's one of my core insights of this whole relating to self thing is that when people judge others, what they're really doing is dealing with the unseen parts of themselves, right? Totally. 100%. Yeah. And yes. having that as a lens is so helpful in navigating the world. Um, it's so yeah. freeing in a way, because then you can practice compassion for people who do judge you instead of 
fighting the the content of what they're sharing, which is useless anyway. Um, So yeah, there's something I would love to hear your thoughts on, Willow, and that is something I've read recently, which I thought was a really beautiful kind of um, idea. And the idea is very simple. It's basically that maybe it's related to Buddhism in some kind of way, in the sense that we're just attached to our ego narratives, right? We're attached to the story of who we are. And then what, whenever we encounter things that could change our identity, our sense of self, we resist it because we are attached, right? And I think that's also the reason why many people resist feeling emotions like and mm. creating barriers against emotions. And I see this so many times now where people enter in relationships with each other, but they hold barriers so that there can't be any negative emotions because they're afraid to experience the negative emotions because those could potentially change their sense of self or even positive emotions. Like, yes, but what if I love this person? What if I become too close to them? That could change who I am, right? That's scary. And I get it, but isn't that kind of like the whole point? (laughs) So I would love to know how you see this relationship between ego, let's call it the ego narrative, the stories we hold about ourselves, about who we are, and then building bridges to others and allowing emotions and information to come in and change us. Yeah, well, this is all what I dive into in my book. What I've really come to realize is that such a huge part of my work, you know, yes, shadow work, but it's really identity work. Because when you are especially if you are, you know, a creative or you have something that's calling forth or you're being called to rise into a new level of leadership in your life. What I, you know, what I call and work with is embodied leadership. How are you truly like, even if it's just walking your talk, wanting to be a better person, right? And all that identity work that is really deconditioning and letting go of these old ways and parts and patterns that you have operated in ultimately to keep yourself safe, right? So what what I hear you naming is really acknowledging where we need to do that deconditioning work, right? Of the limiting beliefs and also behavior patterns that we have been operating in. And the thing is, is that those adaptive strategies, they were developed, these personas is another word for it, were developed to keep us safe. And so it's no wonder that when we try to change that or heal it or get rid of it or change it, it actually just wants to dig its claws and go, no, but wait, you're not going to be loved or you're going to be homeless or, you know, it, it has all these very strong convictions of why you need it. So the the piece there, I think, and I also will just name, especially when it comes to relationships and anything that feels really vulnerable and intimate is I always just talk about how that's like when the, the stakes are raised, right? And how funny it is that we can treat some of the people that we love the most actually see the ugliest sides of us, right? And it is because, and you, you said it, and I love attachment style work because when we are attached to even if it's being attached to being perceived as good or being perceived as lovable or even being perceived as a capable conscious communicator but all of a sudden we're met with some part of ourselves that is 
shuts down or feels triggered or whatever that is, then it challenges that part of our identity. Uh, and actually, there's a beautiful book that I highly recommend every everyone read, which is... Um, course this slips my mind in two seconds um but i will get it for you um and in this book he talks about how he actually calls it like our broken toes so it's like we have a broken toe I know that I have this broken toe you know that we have this broken toe but then we have these like overcompensating personas that try to hide it, right? So, and and so it's just acknowledging like, ouch, that that hit my broken toe, right? That we both know that I have. And it's, of course, if I had a broken toe and you accidentally stepped on it and I yelled and pushed you away, right? We would just have, we both, it's like, I wasn't doing that to you and it's not, it's not your fault and I'm not a bad person. I just have a broken toe and you just stepped on it and it really hurt, right? I love yeah. that analogy. I love that too. That, that's, that forces us to take responsibility for what we experience, right? Just knowing and acknowledging like, yes, it's my toe that's broken. And the fact that you step on it is just a minor thing that may happen all the time but because it's broken that creates a lot of pain for me so yeah i love that willow i would love to know you spoke about deconditioning and i think that's probably one of the most important things we can do so i'm very curious about how you decondition yourself or perhaps how you have deconditioned yourself in the past right so if there's any kind of practices or things that you did that helped you do that what are they Yes. Well, this is, I mean, this is ultimately a shadow work as well. You know, all of our deconditioning, it's, it's looking at, if, you know, and I kind of inter, interchange these words, like these adaptive strategies, these personas. Here's a really good one, you know, an easy one is like the people pleaser or um, being the good girl, you know, and, and what that is. And so it's looking at how, how does this have a stronghold on you? How are you very much identified with it? How is it benefiting you? How, you know, what is it costing you? And really then bringing this awareness, like we talked about at the beginning of, of where can you be noticing? This is what I call in my book, like when you ignite the witness, you're igniting this witness. And this is also in Buddhism as well, in the sense that you're, you're not attached to it. You're not saying, oh, I am this. You instead get to stand back and go, wow, I'm noticing that I'm doing that again. And I have a, and then you, you kind of peel back all the layers and the nuance in this of understanding why this small part of you even came to be behaving that way and why you feel like you need it. And then slowly you can actually start letting it go. And this is where our nervous system comes into play because we have to really show our nervous system that we won't die you know ultimately it really is just trying to save us so that we're loved and accepted and so that starts with ourselves right and our relationship to ourselves, just by being patient and, and being with it noticing so I've done this in so many areas of my life and I still continue to do it and 
you know, you named something earlier around compassion that I have to say is probably one of my favorite ways of being in relationship with myself, which is just having a dialogue with myself and really watching because to me it all usually all comes back to self-talk and when you can tune in so I, I often will describe this like a dial and so you know at first it seems counterintuitive but you actually want to dial it up but you want to be able to catch it when it's operating you know unconsciously and, and subconsciously we want to actually bring it to the surface shine a light on it first so we can go oh i heard you and then we can go now i can rewrite this script or i can turn the dial up on something else so it is that being in relationship with it and i have some examples for that if you're curious yeah, I'm just really curious about the the practical part. Like, what does that look like? For me, when I do this kind of work, one of the ways in which I do this is I sit down, I kind of meditate, and then I notice where I have attention. And then I will directly ask a question to that tension. Right? It's like, oh, you yes. know, why are you here? Or what do you need? And then invariably, I just listen and something comes up and then I write it down. But that's just one practical way of addressing that so maybe there are other ways in which you do this maybe journaling maybe meditation I, I would love to know what it is that you use to have that conversation with these parts yeah I love the one that you just said and I'll often I use this example especially when there is anger or something that's just feels so volatile or chaotic or out of control Sadness is also beautiful, especially if it's deep grief, you know, that definitely can be a journaling practice. Um, at minimum, exactly what you said, but my words for it are really just, you know, what message do you have to share with me? What is this? What does this anger want to tell me? I'm listening. And, you know, the, the other practical thing I was going to say is like, I'll never forget when I was first getting paid to write, I was writing articles and I was getting paid per article. It was this years ago. I mean, it had to have been over 10 years ago. And I was so aware of this inner critic in my brain that was like, you suck. They're going to wonder why they ever hired you. Da, da, da. They're going to get this and be like, are you freaking kidding me? This is absolutely horrible. Like it just was like, brrr. it had so much to say and none of it was helpful. And so I used to joke that I would just pull it up a chair, pull up a chair. I was like, pull up a chair. Can I get you a coffee? It's clearly not going anywhere. So it was like this befriending of it. And it was more than at that point, I was so aware of it. And I was like, Oh, I hear you loud and clear. Thank you. I appreciate all that you're trying to do to save me or whatever, but it's not helping. So pull up a chair, have a coffee. And what I'm going to do is I'm just actually at this point, now that I'm super aware of it, I'm all, I'm going to dial the volume down on you because I know you're there, but but I'm just, you know, going to tune you out while I stay focused on this. And Otherwise, I, I would be paralyzed and not even be able to get anywhere, right? Yeah, um, but beautiful. journaling, I think, is the other piece that is really huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What you said reminds me of this quote by Rumi from one of his poems, that it's something like, you know, whenever monsters come knocking at your door, just invite them in for a cup of tea. I think that's the that's thing. That's right. And I kind of feel that almost invariably what these voices need only is to be seen like there isn't even much within that conversation that is happening that is very important it's just more like sitting there and going like yeah i see you you're here like i'm i'm here with you and i think 
for me, that feels something like one of my core traumas from when I grew up as a kid was just not being seen. There was no attention for, for me being in the world. And so now just giving these parts my attention, basically, just like going like, oh, I'm here for you, is almost enough to kind of have them quiet down. Yeah. And it's when you ignore them that they rear their heads or the fellow, you know, the feather pillow truck thing happens, right? Exactly. It's exactly. It's that turning towards that's like, hey, I get it. We're in this together. There's another one I'll just share that's coming to mind, which is a more somatic practice. And it's just noticing what what is happening for you? So this um, was an experience I had back in 2018 where I just remember feeling like I just, the, the feeling that was coming to me is it felt like this big, heavy cloak had been on me that I just was like, I just wanted to like bust out of it. And just, it was like this, oh. And so I actually gave myself, and I have since even guided many clients to do something similar if they're if they're needing something like this, is like wrapping yourself up in a bunch of covers or something, and then giving yourself that physical experience of actually somatically tearing yourself out of it to free yourself of it. Um, and I think the more we can really, and this is, you know, where dance comes in, you know, to, to, to dance it out or whatever that is can be just such a beautiful somatic practice. It's a form of listening and it's a form of allowing it to have an expression and get out of your body, similar to journaling, similar to talking it out with somebody that allows it to no longer live and be stuck in your body. Right. I love it. And it almost makes me believe there is something about the theatralic the, theatricality of that, where it's like it's almost you're you're playing a part there, right? Like yeah. wrapping yourself in that blanket and then theatric theatricality <laughs> of taking the blanket <laughs> off kind of helps you deal with whatever is present uh, inside of yourself. And I think in many ways that probably used to be what theater was about. Like in mm. the early origins of theater as a shamanic practice, almost. It's like, you know, just bringing out what's inside, expressing it in the world, and in that way, having it sublimated in, in some kind of way. Yeah, it's cathartic. Exactly. Yeah. Willow, this is, this is really good. Um, I'm loving this conversation so much. I, Me too. <laughs> thank you. I would love to know what is still difficult for you personally in how you relate to yourself because you know through all the experiences you've been through it sounds like you've healed yourself in so many ways you have so many practices you have experience doing it with others for others that's all wonderful what are the parts that are still kind of a struggle for willow yeah i love that i love that question um hmm I, you know, this last year was really, <coughs> hold on, I feel like there's a piece of co coconut stuck in my throat. I'm, no I'm loving that this. that came up so perfectly timed, right? Exactly, right. <laughs> I mean, it's like, like, what's difficult? Like, like oops, can't, can't talk about that. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <coughs> Especially like throat chakra right and like exactly what is like <laughs> yes. your, so your self-expression love yes. it 
All of it is oh welcome. Oh my god, so good. <clears throat> so in this last year, I really feel like I got to be met with that. I got to meet sides of myself that I like almost didn't recognize, you know, it was a real, I've been through so many identity deaths and reincarnations and it, this started in the end of 2021 that I, I had what, uh, what felt like this pulling back of the veils and revealing things that I hadn't seen and didn't want to see. And it was like these, what I also, how I also described it is it was like a, this deep wound had been carved out and I was, I was really having to look at this, this deep wound again. And, you know, anytime we've gone through any kind of an identity death or a rebirth, it leaves us pretty raw and it leaves us, um, really almost not recognizing ourselves. You know, this is, um, what I call like in the goo, you know, from the caterpillar to the butterfly, you're like in that, in that beautiful place of transformation and you don't recognize yourself. And for someone who, you know, does so much work in identity and has been this, you know, person online and created so much over so many years, that was very disorienting. And I have to also say and give myself some credit that because I have done so much work, I was able to be with that like so much more compassionately. It was like, hey, it's okay. We're just going to set everything down for a while and, and be in the not knowing. And that was so powerful. So... I will say that, you know, where I'm at right now, especially as my book is about to be published, like all of that time off, like, you know, worked, I guess, you know, not that there was any kind of expectation on it, but it really did help me come back into finding my creativity and my alignment and my aliveness like never before. And then my book came through in like six weeks and here it is about to be published. And I mean, I just have such this new reverence for seeing who I am in a whole new way. That's like allowing, I don't know if any of this is even making sense. It's just feels so hard to put into words, but it's like, yeah, allowing myself to just be who I am now, not who I've even been in this last 10 years, which is you know, feels so important to say and like the business world and online and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't give a shit about any of that. All I care about is who I am right here in this moment to be able to meet with you and have this beautiful, deep conversation. Like what else even freaking matters, you know? And there's so much of this way of living that doesn't make sense when we try to put it into these worlds online or the business world or like, you know, all this stuff. And so I, I've really had to find my way back to it, to marketing, to all of this stuff, but from this way that it must stay aligned and alive for me. Otherwise it's not even worth doing. I hear you so much, Willow. I mean, this is so relevant to my life right now because I'm in that phase again. I've been through several yeah. of those phases before. But again, you know, I'm reinventing myself. I'm in the goo. I'm in the not knowing. And I've been through this several times, so I'm okay with sitting here. But the thing you said about the, 
marrying that with like the business world and how we present ourselves and like marketing, finding an audience, all these things. Oh my God. That's <laughs> so difficult to imagine right now for me, right? Yeah. So well done for, for getting through that and then finding a way. And I agree with you so much that the most important thing is just who I am now right here in this moment. And I'm less and less willing, I feel, to step out of this moment, to then make projections or stories about a future. And yeah, so I, I love what you said. We are sadly nearing the time <laughs> that was allotted to this, to this conversation. I feel conversation. like we could talk for so much longer. <laughs> for sure. It's a good sign. Um, before we part ways and head into our days, um, I would love to know a bit more about this book that's being published soon. Uh, yeah, if you could tell us where to find it and what it is about, mm -hmm. that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The title is Double Down on Your Genius. And the tagline is own your gifts, align your actions and flourish in your calling. And it will be published on Amazon. I'm self-publishing and that will be out, should be by May. And I am so excited for this baby to be in the world. It's, it has an entire framework that came through in 2021, this beautiful alignment framework that I think you are going to love if you haven't seen any of this yet. And it is really about acknowledging and noticing, igniting the witness around where we might be out of alignment and how we can support ourselves to come back into alignment. And it's often counterintuitive, right? And when our adaptive strategies come into play or, you know, these coping mechanisms and old personas and the conditioning comes in, it goes, it thinks, oh, I need to do this. And it starts going down a road when actually the thing you really need to do might be to do something else. And I am a big believer in that we need support and we need reflection and that we're not here to do this alone. And so that's a lot of the soapbox I stand on in this book is really wanting to give you the tools to help you find your way back to you to truly own all of the gifts and the genius that want to come through you, right? That's a lot of that relationship to self, acceptance, giving yourself the time and the space for that integration so that you can be so, what I call this insourcing, right? Empowered, powered from within, so that then your actions can be really in alignment with that, full of that aliveness and that commitment and not resisting and not procrastinating, but instead really committed and, and moving forward. And then the final piece of it is probably my absolute favorite part of it. And to me, it's the key that so many people do not talk about, which is this piece around what is, what is in the title, the flourishing in your calling, but it's really about how can you come into this unapologetic relationship with your own power of really allowing yourself to, to stand in the, the power of you even being a powerful creator. But also, you know, this is a lot of the healing that we're doing collectively right now, which is that we've not seen positive uses of power. And so we're really having to, you know, I always say with my clients, like power is safe in your hands. 
right? Because we're all like hot potatoing with power. And we're like, well, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that person, right? But actually, wow, what could be possible when you are so in your power and so unapologetically you, right? So aligned and guided on your path that then that's when you can really not only reap those rewards for yourself, right? To thrive financially and otherwise, but then that's when you can live in this beautiful overflow that gets to impact so many more. I will also post links to where people can find you, Willow. Um, yeah. Where would that I'm, be? Willow loves you online everywhere. I'm very Googleable. I guess I've been online for a long, long time. So yeah, Willow Sana and Willow loves you and willowlovesyou.com slash book is where you'll of course be able to find the book and I'm so excited for any of you guys who are listening to this who resonated with this you know I mean I would just love to hear from you I love that feedback and that reflection I believe we all need it right especially those who are visionaries and creative so I look forward to hearing that from the awesome people who listen to your podcast wonderful I can't read to read the book I can't wait to read the book. That's what I wanted to say. Willow, thank you so much for this conversation. It was a delight. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. Like I said, I feel like we could keep going for so long. We've just <laughs> barely scratched the surface, but we're so speaking true. the same language. And, yes. you know, this is, I mean, I just am really celebrating you and, and so grateful for humans like you doing this work in the world to just help wake people up to what is possible when you deepen that relationship with yourself. You'd think that I even say this in my book. So I love that you're on this. As I say, you would think that it would be the easiest relationship, but no, it's actually one of the hardest. And you, just like you said, this is the one relationship that we're in for the rest of our lives, our whole lives. So might as well work on getting good at it. Right. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> Willow, have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you, you too. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also read more of my thoughts on Twitter. I will post a link in the description. And if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself, please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, rituals, practices, and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks. Thanks.